The code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films, one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis. And I'm Heather Artis. Thanks for joining us for Minute 30 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited to get going as I hear cannon fire and I'm detecting the sweet smell of black powder. (laughs) I'm very excited to get this... This pirate show on a grill. I know, no more love, right? Let's let's see some killing. Well, we have. A I thought bit so. Of that love. was a trick, and then <laughs> look what happened. She said she was. I, I knew I could prove that you were into it. That was a test, and you failed. Pathetic. Oh, you know me. I know. All about that love. Bridget Jones Diary Minute, <laughs> brought to you by. No, we're not doing that. Get out of here. Someone else can do that one. In the previous minute, Elizabeth revealed to Estrella, her maid, that it was terrifying to get the proposal from Norrington. Oh, and uh, maybe, by the way, the whole thing threatened by a pirate was terrifying as well. Maybe. Just maybe? Possibly. A smidge. She also (laughs) reveals that marrying Norrington would be a good match, and the oh-so-bold Estrella says that Will Turner is also a fine man. We jump from Swan Mansion bedroom to John Brown Blacksmith shop where Will Turner is hammering away on a red-hot ingot just prior to getting an eerie feeling that something is definitely amiss. Minute 30 begins with a cat running down a foggy alley and disappearing around the corner. An alley cat? Yeah, maybe an alley cat. (laughs) We cut to Port Royal Harbor with the ship quietly sailing in. The minute ends with Captain Jack Sparrow identifying the mysterious ship as the Black Pearl. Sparking one of the prisoners to say, the Pearl? She's been preying on ships and settlements for near ten years. I know Heather already spoiled it, but what's the first thing we see in this minute? Yep, it's a cat running down the street. Nothing says pirate movie action. Like an alley cat. Like a cat running down the street between buildings. (laughs) An alley cat running down an alley. Yeah, where's our rim shot? (laughs) (laughs) And the award for the lame joke of the week goes to... Maybe I'll insert a rim shot. Rim shot here. <laughs> then we see a ship quietly slipping into the harbor. And now I think we're safe to make a link between the ominous feeling Will had, the flame that flickered out in Elizabeth's bedroom, and of course the unnatural fog. Rest our souls for Gibbs. <laughs> are you, are you, so you think there's something eerie about this ship? Well, I'm, I'm just saying that we're, yeah, we're getting something. <laughs> we're seeing this, this ship come in. You know, kind of in the cover of night. Yes. We're having all of these little pieces of evidence building up that there's something pieces ominous. Pieces of eight. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> you can tell it's the end of the week. Heather's just gone crazy. It's actually only so, Wednesday. <laughs> so, yes, there is something ominous happening. And what we've seen with all these pieces of eight, as Heather wants to call it, even though evidence, we'll just say pieces of evidence... A tone is being set that reminds me of the opening minute of the film with the HMS Dauntless, the burning merchant ship and a pirate ship that's complete mm-hmm. with Jolly Roger that slipped into the fog eight years ago. So we're kind of seeing this circle back to where we're actually now. But this time we've had Will getting a little nervous. 
We've had Elizabeth looking at the, the oil lamp going out. We have the fog. All of these characters were in the first opening scene or the opening minutes with the pirate ship and the burning merchant ship and then it slipped into fog. So I think we're kind of seeing a rehash of that. We're obviously circling back to this previous time with all these characters. Will, Elizabeth, and a mysterious pirate ship. Now we have the Black Pearl that's come into play here into Port Royal. I think we are safe to assume that that pirate ship that we saw all those years ago was the Black Pearl itself. So we're seeing kind of a full circle thing happen here. And all these characters are now getting the same feeling. So it's it's really an interesting kind of play or callback to the earlier minutes and to some of those same feelings. With this buildup of action that's looming and the same fear, kind of these ominous, fearful tones that have happened for these particular characters. Uh -huh. So all this, although we have all this action about to burst from the seas, Norrington and Governor Swan are walking the fort and talking about Elizabeth. Specifically <laughs> the proposal and the outstanding unanswered question that seems to be on their minds is did she say yes or no? Or did she even answer his his proposal or his question of marriage? Right. All the other things that could be going on, that's what's concerning <laughs> Governor Swan. Well, the ship hasn't actually come in yet. I know, but everybody else seems to have a feeling. They're just not very well, observant. Well, okay, that goes back to Norrington and his observant nature with Elizabeth. He never really realized that she was suffering, basically. He didn't do anything about it. She fell over. So he isn't very observant. Well, we, and they're just wandering on the wall up there. Exactly. And yeah, there you go again, just stealing my thunder, just hopping right in. <laughs> I'm setting all this up. And that's where you go right away. I mean, come on. So yeah, I think the evidence is here, since I'll go ahead and talk about that now. I think the evidence that I needed to prove my theory that Norrington is blind to the issues of a woman... Elizabeth specifically goes unanswered so he can't see that but Governor Swan hears a faint screech and he immediately takes action you know if he could only have focused this type of attention on Elizabeth we probably wouldn't actually be in this situation that we are now she wouldn't have fallen off the fort or the cliff Jack would yeah. not, Jack probably was already would already be gone out of Port Royal because he'd have already stolen a ship under the noses of Mulroy and Murtog and we'd be in an entirely different place now but wait wait now, Norrington is a military man, so he would know the sound of a cannon fire, but not necessarily the cues of a woman. I agree with that, but like I said, it's the big revelation here that Norrington is observant and vigilant. He's enough to realize that Governor Swan needed protection <laughs> and cannonballs were on the way. That he can detect. But with the physical signs of somebody in distress, he can't see that or her breathing or hear that. And then that's right in front of him and she falls off a cliff. As opposed to a faint hiss of a cannonball screeching towards their fort. And all of a sudden he's, he's in an instant made that connection and yeah. taken action. Yeah. Elizabeth, on the other hand, for a whole minute that we were watching, is sitting there dying and he couldn't see that. So yes... <laughs> There is something there. He is blind to the issues of women and to the needs of women. He is vigilant when it comes to protecting Port Royal or to military matters. So I guess that's what you want in your Commodore. So it's a win for Port Royal. Not necessarily not a, a win, win for, for Elizabeth. No. Definitely not. <laughs>
I wanted to point out that when Swan was asking Norrington if he got an answer from Elizabeth yet, Norrington replies, no, she hasn't answered, but he seems a little disappointed with that. Of course. (laughs) It's messing up Norrington's plans. He needs a woman by his side. But I didn't really hear him say, actually, will you marry me? Yeah, we uh, did. We we did discuss this yesterday a little. What are you doing? Yeah. I'm I'm rehashing. Don't rehash. I know this is really stuck in your craw here. It's like the legal formality. Uh, I don't think you really asked. So listen to yesterday's minute and then give Heather a chat. (laughs) She obviously needs to talk about this some more. I was going to say on that point, Governor Swan himself is eager to know if Elizabeth accepted his offer of marriage. Yeah. I know you were just describing Norrington's answer, but that's not... It's Yeah, it's a disappointed, it's not a not-so-enthusiastic no from Norrington. Governor Swan makes an excuse for that Elizabeth that line. it was a difficult day. You're stealing my thunder, dude. Turnabout's yeah, fair play. Yeah, he's, he's totally making an excuse for Elizabeth. Like, he's a little embarrassed that she hasn't responded. So he's making an excuse for her difficult day. She really did have quite a, the difficult day. <laughs> It's like me having to make an excuse for your grog drinking on the air here. Really? Yeah. I think you actually had a better point about Governor Swan and why he was trying to deflect that awkward situation. Because I was wondering, you know, he just maybe he's trying to keep things hopeful that Elizabeth will eventually accept. But I think it's actually kind of more of an embarrassment that he's the governor. This is now the Commodore. He was really trying to set this up. He's probably been saying, yeah, she's going to marry you. Yeah. And now we're not getting that. He's not getting that clear vibe right now. And so he's trying to to move things along. And then he changes the subject like rather quickly. Oh, let's talk about the weather. Yeah. It's never a good sign when you are talking about marriage proposals and then you throw in, well, how about this ghastly weather? <laughs> I don't know. Is that bleak, si- very bleak. Yeah, is, I wonder if that's some symbolism there too, because I've seen a lot of symbolism recently with some of these scenes, and now we have Governor Swan talking about ghastly weather. So, is the ghastly weather this ominous storm that's here? Is that also a symbol of? And they're talking about their, you know, this marriage proposal. Is that a symbol of you got some rough weather ahead for this marriage or marriage proposal? Yeah. This relationship, if it's ever going to happen. Well, I can't say that Norrington has much hope for the relationship when Elizabeth didn't show that much interest when he was talking to her. That's true. Yeah, you definitely at least want some kind of interest. Yeah, she she acted like she had no interest whatsoever. Well, she was dying, but she had no interest. Yeah, that's right. And as I was just mentioning of the ominous kind of symbolism, there is another, I think, more overt piece of symbolism here. Not pieces of eight, it's actually symbolism. Speaking of ominous symbolism, there's a rather overt piece in this particular minute. And I'm not talking about the storm or this ghastly weather comment, but I think it is something that pertains to Norrington's proposal to Elizabeth. And I mean, that's what the conversation, because that's what the conversation was about here. So I'm kind of taking this, at least looking at it from that point of what they were talking about at the time that I'm seeing some of these things. And so we, when we see Governor Swan and Norrington on the fort, as you were talking about, they're walking along the fort and uh-huh. the walls, the camera shot takes advantage of the structures and details like we talked about in the blacksmith workshop with the sword fight. And in that particular minute, we saw the, you know, the wheel in one shot and we saw them fighting behind it. So the camera, yeah. the camera crew is really doing some really cool camera shots and cinematography here. And in here, as I mentioned, it's a more ominous turn. We have the gallows and a noose in the foreground. Yeah. With Governor Swan and Norrington walking behind it. And I'm assuming that's the noose that is set for Jack's dawn appointment. That's, yeah, that, 
That's what I'm kind of reading into it as well. So I don't know what's going on with that as far as the symbolism of us looking through the noose to see Norrington and Governor Swan, but that's got to be the mark of the beast or some bad juju of some kind. Some black spot on this relationship. That's all I'm seeing. (laughs) It's got to be there, right? Possibly. Yeah. I mean, or is it maybe, is it a crystal ball telling us that explosions are on the way, which we see right about now? Maybe. So, I mean, there's yeah. there's going to be death and destruction but, yeah. coming. I mean, I really like it's to kinda, think of it as It's kind of interesting that they drew in that, that noose hanging there. Unless they just wanted to show us this is Jack's noose for Don, you know, his Don appointment. Because they were talking, to it, talking about it in previous minutes. Unless they were showing us this is a noose for it. Unless something's coming or... Well, I, I just like, I mean, this is me. I just really like to see this new flower relationship wilting and dying of, of Norrington's <laughs> love for Elizabeth. And that's all I'm seeing it as. Norrington. That, I, well, that's what they're talking about at that particular moment when we see that. It's right. not like they're talking about, ooh, there's pirates coming or an attack. Then we might have a different story about that. I mean, they're talking about this proposal. The, yeah. And it's not that... We think he's going to die or she's going to die. It's it's this proposal of yeah the relationship that maybe hasn't even really started beyond yeah. cordial is now already dying on the vine. Yeah, poor <laughs> yeah, poor Norrington. <laughs> poor Norrington. Poor guy. Feel bad for that guy. Yeah, so I think we should just leave Norrington to to cry his to, to shed his tears <laughs> <laughs> and. Let's go to Ch- Captain Jack Sparrow for a little bit. Nor- Norrington's got saving to do of the governor here. Well, he does save the governor. That's correct. Yeah, so he can't cry yet. We'll let Norrington try and heal his relationship in his own mind while he's protecting Governor Swan from cannon fire on the fort or Fort Charles. And we'll move kind of in a, in a piece of time to Captain Jack, who recognizes the sounds of the guns and says, It's the Pearl. Terry Rossio and Ted Elliott were discussing the development of the name for the ship and settled on the Black Pearl because they needed something that was maybe appropriate for a villain and something that would also fit Jack Sparrow since we have this affinity for him or we're coming to like him or root for him. So we have Black Pearl, which kind of puts together two, you know, the good and the bad. You have Black, which is kind of symbolic for evil. Yeah. Pearl, which has that kind of good nature, goodness that that has connotation with that. Huh. Black Pearl came together. Something that would fit both Jack and, you know, our villain in this particular movie. Because you couldn't name it Hell's Fury or something like that. And then and expect that Jack, it would really fit with Jack's character. Or he would have named a ship or been part of a ship. Of We're kind of doing some forethought here and in, in looking into the future. But I thought it was relevant since we do come up with the Black Pearl yeah. here. That... It would fit for Jack in this particular instance. Like I said, we couldn't have something that was so crazy, evil, that it, would, it wouldn't it would fit with Jack's personality and the character that we've seen with him so far. Right, and Jack just calls it the Pearl. Yeah, I was going to mention that too. And somewhere in my notes too, I, I had that as well, that he, Jack refers to it just as the Pearl. And I, I like that because it's almost like he's taking the good part of it right. and talking about it as opposed to saying the Black Pearl. Yeah. And he said the Black Pearl when he was talking to Mulroy and Murtog, but that kind of sparked the whole debate and and the full name, like, hey, this is what it was. But casually talking about it, he just says the Pearl. 
And I think there's actually a lot of symbolism in it. And I think we should probably talk with that, talk about that later when we find out more information about Jack's relationship with this ship. Mm-hmm. Because I think that that actually has a lot of symbolism of what a pearl really is. So we'll get into that later. I think that he sees himself and the good in the ship and he just refers to it as the pearl. And then we'll leave it at that. Spoilers, unfortunately. But yeah, we're talking about it. <laughs> so with the pearl entering this Port Royal... It kind of leaves into question, why is a pearl coming here? Just to pillage and plunder? Or is there actually something else that's bringing the pearl to Port Royal? That's a good question. I have a feeling, but we don't quite know yet. So since we just did some spoilers there, we'll have to go ahead and, and, and save that for later. I just wanted to throw that out just there. Just wanted to throw that out there. Yes, because that leaves us in question. Oh, well, there you go. Just falling right in line with the writers. I mean, <laughs> we do get a callback to more Black Pearl mythology is in this minute, as we discussed with Mulroy and Murtog, or as was discussed with Mulroy and Murtog with Jack Sparrow. Uh-huh. And by the way, we now have confirmation that Murtog is correct and the ship is real. So he's yeah. somewhere he's somewhere out there pumping his fist like <laughs> you know what? I told you, Mulroy. It's not a fake. <laughs> Anyways. They're still guarding the interceptor. The interceptor? Yeah. Yeah, they're probably hunkered down. You know that they're not fighting that thing. They're just like, oh, we should probably hide out here. But it's yet to be seen if it's crewed by the damned or captained by a man so evil that hell itself spat him back out. So we don't know that, but we do know at least the, the Black, Black Pearl, Pearl exists. Yes. We just don't know what's on it. Right. Or what's happening with that. And so back to what I was saying, one of the prisoners says regarding the Black Pearl, after Jack says, hey, or identifies the ship, she's been preying on ships and settlements for near 10 years. I really just love how the myth of the Black Pearl keeps growing in this film. Uh-huh. It really plays so well into the reality of pirates and using threats to scare victims. And it's it's like this first line of offense. You know, you always hear the first line of defense, but I think pirates took the first line of offense in, into account here. Right. So I really like how this myth is growing. And I think I'm going to have to put together all of these kind of mythological phrases that we come across or the legend i should probably say legend of the black pearl and i'll I'll try and do something creative with that but that should be pretty fun it's very pirate like strike fear so you don't have to fight exactly or fight as little as possible that's right and then i have some stuff that i've been doing some research on and i don't know how much i'm going to get into it because this is pirates of the caribbean minute not necessarily minute yeah So we'll have to try and do that. And then, you know, we're trying to, we have some contacts and some people that we've been talking with. And so we're going to bring on some people who actually maybe have some expertise in some pirate stuff. And we'll be doing that with, you know, in the next few weeks or next month or so. So once we can get our act together and get those arranged and set up. We'll bring some guest host experts in and we'll have some cool times talking about some of that stuff. We'll be able to venture maybe out into a little bit more pirates and see which minutes are going to work best for actually talking about some of these pirate myths versus realities and things. So it should be pretty fun. I thought you were the expert in 18th century piracy. Uh, I'm not. No, it's antique arms and armory. Oh, pirates. Is there a was different something story. else, right? Well, there's a lot of things I'm an expert in. <laughs> torture devices, too. Yeah, it was torture devices that I, I was a growing expert in. So thanks for, thanks for noticing, though, and telling yeah. everybody. So that's good for them to remind, or it's good to remind them of that. They really have an incredible resource on the other end of the microphone. And as you have mentioned, a skilled liar. So take the, all of this with a grain of salt when you're referencing this. When you're referencing this for like your term paper or master's thesis. Don't reference this. 
<laughs> what are you saying? Anyways, we'll have to discuss that later. But I'll, I'll send you a proper citation if you need one. And I'm pretty much good. I, You know, I'm actually pretty proud of myself that I came up with the first line of offense for Pirates. Considering you do not do sports? That's right. So I, I'd just rather leave this as like on a high note and, and then say thank you very much and then walk off. So unless you have something else. No, I'm good for the day. We'll be back tomorrow with Minute 31 of the Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Batten down the hatches. It's your pirate phrase of the week. <laughs> for joining us on Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. If you like the show, then leave us a review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, matey. You can contact us at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. We just might feature your questions and comments on future episodes. Visit us online at blackpearlminute.com. You can also find us on facebook.com slash pirates of the Caribbean Minute, twitter.com slash blackpearlmen, and on soundcloud.com slash pirates of the Caribbean where we post additional content, have episode discussions, and share our favorite show clips. Now see you next time, scallywags.